All right, guys, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. If you're someone who is seeking uncommon results, this podcast is for you. Success, happiness, and wisdom. What do these words mean to you? I think we can all agree that we'll probably all have slightly different definitions of each. In these podcasts, I get to dive deeply into conversations with some amazing innovators, influencers, and trendsetters that have had different versions of how they define the terms, yet have come out on the other side with amazing, uncommon results. At some point in their lives, they have decided to unshackle themselves from the norm and go beyond all boundaries. Well, again, this is John Dwyer, another episode of Beyond All Boundaries. Jack Bevere with me today. Uh, Jack, thanks a lot for uh, jumping on and um, spending some time with us today. No, absolutely. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, John. You bet. So Jack is with the Dominion Group. Um, and you, what, in 2007, is that when you joined the Dominion Group? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So why don't you give our listeners a little background on just what the Dominion Group is, and then we'll, we'll dig into some of the cool things that you and I were talking about uh, prior to uh, the call here. Yeah, sure. So Dominion's a single family real estate investment company. Uh, my partner, Fred, started the company in 02. <laughs> I came in in 2007 at 23, so got into the business very early, which has uh, been great. Uh, and um, we've just been really kind of growing the platform since then. We do a bunch of different stuff in single-family distressed real estate. So we buy houses and renovate them, either keep them as rentals or flip them and sell them to homeowners. We do a little bit of wholesaling as well. And then we have a lending business where we make fix and flip loans to investors and also uh, rental loans for small and mid-sized landlords who are building their rental portfolios. Um, we lend nationwide in those two things. So started in 2007, a much, much smaller company, and have really just have it, been having fun growing it since then. Yeah, I mean, we were talking, right? Right before we got on the call here. And you got in, when you started, there were six employees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it was a much smaller company at the time, you know, just very entrepreneurial environment. Sorry, I'm in Baltimore, so I got an ambulance. <laughs> yeah, pretty typical, actually. Yeah, you know, yeah, like in any 15 minute period, you'll probably hear an ambulance going yeah. by. Uh, it, it, adds, it, adds, it, adds, it adds color to the podcast. Bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There'll be more. Yeah, there'll be more. Um, uh, <clears throat> anyway, yeah. So, yeah, start, starting in 2007, it was a much smaller company. And, uh, you know, didn't have a whole lot of systems and processes in place. We were hustling, buying houses. It was really before a lot of institutional investors had gotten into the space and before, uh, you know, it was, you know, much more inefficient market than it is today. Uh, you know, that good and bad, right? So we've, we've had different struggles over the course of the past 15 years, but, uh, you know, have had a, a fun time, you know, growing the platform in this evolving market that we, you know, where the world keeps changing every six months, which we still right. see. So talk about when, you know, because how many employees do you guys have now? Uh, we have about 115 employees now, uh, okay. 15 in property management, 15 in the development side of things, and, and 85 in, um, in the lending company. So wow. that's presented a lot of challenges, learned a lot of stuff along the way there. Um, our roles have changed very much along the way, uh, you know, it, through that growth. But um, <clears throat> yeah. So talk about, talk about some of the things that you guys, I mean, from going to, to six to a hundred and some employees, right? So talk about some of the journeys and the things, you know, that you've had to experience or things that, man, I wish I would have never done that again, or, you know, things, what, what has made, you know, Dominion Group so successful and what you guys are doing as far as of culture and, and I've been asking a lot of questions here, right? Like just, but give me an idea of the journey that you guys have gone through to, you know, sustain that many employees, because that, it does become a challenge. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Um, so we always, you know, we got into the business uh, with the idea that we wanted to build wealth through, uh, you know, through real estate and growing a rental portfolio has, has been like a main focus uh, of that goal. But it's hard to build a rental portfolio from a cash flow management point of view. Like that's something that we've always struggled with you know, every year is cash flow planning, you know, how many rents we want to, we'd like to set aside everything as a rental, but, you know, we need to pay the bills and the mortgage right. and we would like to add a bunch of properties. So we need to hire, we need to make payroll. Um, and so we've done other activities like flipping and wholesaling and lending that create current income to allow mm -hmm. us to afford the staff and the infrastructure to continue to build the rental portfolio. And, um, you know, we've, made tons of mistakes, you know, we, we were winging it, you know, like we've really just, you know, been growing it as we go and, and trying to figure things out as we go. Um, we, we probably, we didn't hire an HR person, uh, office manager until we had about 45 employees. We probably should have done that back at 20 or 25, yeah. uh, in retrospect, um, and, and hiring and kind of getting the right people in the right seats the first time has been a, uh, you know, kind of a constant struggle. Like, you know, Jack, that, that, that seems to be a constant struggle with any business, any entrepreneur, even my own business, right? It's that phrase, the right people in the right seats is so easy to talk about, but it is so difficult. My personal opinion, right? Like, yeah. you know, you sit down with people and you think that you're, you're going in the right direction. You think that you have them in the right spot. And it's just, it's really, I think it's a struggle um, unless you have your pulse on it all the time. Um, you know, that is, that is a major challenge. And I, you know, I, I don't know what you, if you want to elaborate on that, but I just feel like that has been, it's a constant thing that every entrepreneur talks about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, there's such power in leveraging other people, right? Like you, you, if you want to grow an organization, you need to be able to leverage the efforts of other people, but they can be, they can be very additive or they can be very, you know, negative to your, to your productivity. And um, <clears throat> that right person, right seat is something that we struggled with for a very long time. And frankly, you know, and still do, it's not like we've like cracked the code or anything, right. but something I will say that, that really helped us is maybe four years ago, um, we started using culture index, which mm -hmm. is a personality profiling, uh, personality survey and profiling, um, you know, I guess, system uh predictive index is yep, very yep. similar um yep. predictive and culture are they i think they're similar right yeah they're very similar yeah. uh the math behind them both is is pretty much the same like you look at the graphs and they're pretty much it's just like they're the same um so like either either approach works well but something you know even more so than disc or more so yep. than myers-briggs yep. i found that when i started learning about and applying culture index, predictive index, it was, it was much more actionable, right? Like I, it gave, it gave me and Fred and our managers a language to talk about differences in personality type. And yeah. so the conversation stopped being like, what's wrong with this person? And we were able to be like, this person is different than us in this quantifiable way. And as a result, we need to adjust our management approach because otherwise, because, you know, that's where we are going to have conflict, right? Difference in personality type is where you were going to have conflict. It's where communication styles are different. Yeah. And that ends up being the source of a lot of, a lot of like, I guess, conflict or a lot of, um, um, you know, getting the machine to work well, right. where people are the nuts and bolts of the machine. You really need to have a language to talk about personality because that's the nature of the nuts and bolts in the machine. And uh, when we started using culture index, predictive index, 
that really was a, a, a big leap forward for us in terms of uh, from an HR point of view, screening, you know, getting the right person into the right seat on a higher percentage of the time the first time. Yeah. And also from a management point of view, like being able to talk about the reason for conflict, the reason for deficiencies in performance, where it wasn't just like, what's wrong with this person, you know, which is not, it's not productive. Right. Right. And even from a, um, a, a partner standpoint, right. So I've, I've joined a new venture with a colleague of mine in, in, in a new business as well. And we're going through the predictive indexes and understanding, you know, the differences of who we are, Maverick and Persuader and, you know, all those different terms, right? But then also the areas that where our strengths align, right? And then areas where they're not going to align, but then more importantly, how do we communicate through that and understanding that stuff um, yeah. from a partnership, right? Because I mean, you guys, I mean, it, partnerships are not always easy. And yeah. Um, even identifying from a partnership perspective, like, okay, what things am I going to, or Jack, you're going to handle what thing is your business partner going to handle. Right. Absolutely. And making sure that we stay in those lanes and allow that this, you know, this area is what, what I'm taking care of. Obviously you communicate with your business partner. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you can't both be making the, the, the executive calls on every decision, mm-hmm. at least from my, what I've experienced. Right. So yeah. having those, having those conversations and those, and then just where we're going to have conflict, where we're going to measure up and, and where we're going to, you know, see eye to eye. And, and just, it's really fascinating. I think those um, programs too are about 98 to 99% like legitimately accurate. It's yeah. Really it's, um, it's unbelievable. It's almost creepy, right? Like it's, it was remarkably accurate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to your point, like it just, so we, I got very lucky with Fred. Uh, we got very lucky with each other, frankly, like we just happened to be the classic, like, He's the visionary. I'm the integrator. Yeah. And we just we didn't know that those words existed. We didn't realize that. Like like ten years later, after we've been working together for ten years, someone pointed us pointed out to us. It was like, oh yeah, you guys are like the classic duo. And we're we're like you know, Fred pushes it forward and does the strategic stuff, and I'm running systems and processes and operations, but still get the vision, get where we're going, and. Um, uh, we just got lucky, right. With that, you know, like it would be, you know, had we had the, had we had some additional knowledge going in, yeah, that would have been nice. But, um, yeah, as a result, it took us a while, frankly, to like settle into our respective roles because we didn't realize, you know, the nature of each other. Uh, and so like, had we had that, had we had that pointed out to us earlier, we, we would have fallen into those roles much earlier. Right. And, and, and gotten into a groove quicker even. So that stuff's really powerful. And, and, and I'm like, I'm a pretty quantitative guy. Like, I don't like the fluffy stuff. I was like, it took me a while to come around. Yeah. But I really, I'm totally like evangelized at this point. So yeah. it was well, it's, cool. it's amazing too, because even in the hiring process, and I'm sure you guys did this with culture, right? But you, you lay out the, the, um, the, the skill set or the tasks and duties, right? And then it's crazy how they, they can take the test and they score you basically how you're going to fit in all those areas. And I mean, it, just from that alone, you can determine whether you want to take that conversation with that potential new employee. And, you know, so many times I've gotten it wrong. Like I sit down with somebody because I'm, a, I'm an extrovert. And I love talking to people. And I'm like, oh, this person will be awesome. Right. But they're just like me. And that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it's not a good fit. Right. But when you can objectively just sit back and let the scores and the tests identify like whether this person is going to be a good fit. And then more importantly, like what you're talking about, how to communicate, you made a really good comment, like what's wrong with this person, right? Like, why aren't they, but that's not the issue, right? The issue is, is that the, the, med, the means of communication or understanding 
yeah. from an employment and an employer role can really change the 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 um, outcome of the the business and and having people feel like they want to belong to something too, right? That they're not just coming in day to day to check a check the time card and, and punch in and punch out because that that happens so often in corporate America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I think, you know, as, as entrepreneurs and, you know, not major corporations, I think, you know, some of the things, at least for me as like corporate America, like I don't want it to be anything like corporate America. However, you know, they get more into these trainings and these ideas, but really I think at our level, we can implement them even in a, in a better way because of, we can really dial into that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If, if we, if you borrow the certain ideas that, that do work from a scaling organization's point of view and like behavioral psychology and, and you know, growing organizations, like if we apply those same principles, but in a much more nimble, you know, context, I, I feel like, it, you know, we've got the opportunity to have a real competitive advantage there, but there's, there's stuff to learn, you know, there's stuff to take. So what would be, what, what do you, I mean, as you guys have been growing, um, you know, what's been, what's been one of the things that, I mean, obviously the culture index and protective index, but what other things are you doing to make sure that you're not growing too fast, right? Because there's some of that too, like making sure that you don't have such quick growth to where you can't sustain that model either. I mean, have you guys run into that at all with, with the business? Because you talked about cash flow, you know, you're, you're buying properties, right, for long term, but then maintaining that you're able to make the payroll, able to, you know, put food on the table, right? There's that balance of not growing too fast either to where your overhead gets to a point to where you have to make some major adjustments. Have you guys experienced any of that or has it been kind of, you know, day by day, week by week? Um, yeah, no, definitely. I think the, um, like the way I think about it is that, you know, as you're growing the organization, like, especially when you start hiring and you have specialization within your organization, you can't just like pour gas on the front end, right? Because the back end, if, if, if the back end's not ready for it, so like, you know, that's, that's every entrepreneur's temptation, right? Like poor gas in the, you know, oh, I, you know, I'm, 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 <clears throat> I'm buying houses. I, I hit, you know, I made a score. Like I bet I could repeat that. And so you just like pour gas on marketing for whatever, you know, right. And then, but you don't have the systems and processes in place to answer the calls, set up the appointment, you know, do the analysis on the front end to screen, set up the appointments, set up your dispo side, hell, have your books ready for it, make sure right. you have cash flow for it. Like, so <clears throat> it's this this, you know, the growing the business is this balance of like trying to push, you know, the guy on the soundboard, right? Like push everything up at the same pace is a really challenging, difficult thing where you have to monitor where all the different aspects of the organization are at all times and see if something's breaking. Because if it's breaking over here, well, then you need to pause over here. Otherwise, you're just going to exacerbate the issue. And so kind of keeping tabs on, on where all parts of the organization are and making sure that you're kind of watering every uh you know every area uh at us at the same pace that's for me that's the that's the tricky part right like and that's the thing that i think that we've done pretty well but that's because we've spent a lot of energy on that on that idea on that concept and have done a good job frankly of not you know breaking ourselves by ignoring you know by being by being honest with yourself about where what you're good at and what you're not good at and then focusing on what you're not good at because that's you know, if you focus on what you're great at, which is everyone's tendency, right? Like that's human nature. You want to do what you're good at because it feels good. You get dopamine rush, but that's not going to help you grow the organization. You'd actually spend the most mental energy on what you're not good at so that it keeps pace with what takes less effort to grow. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, uh, grow it all at the same pace that that's, that's like, you know, that's for us been a, 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 a key 
to continued growth without you know sprinting and then being like crap and we broke it and we need to like back up and fix this thing for a year and miss we missed market opportunities because we we're fixing the thing that we broke um we've been a little more slow and steady yeah um but even paced across so, across all aspects i know you guys are doing a lot of stuff nationwide but do you spend a lot of your time in baltimore with the fix and flips or where's your portfolio yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah we still spend uh, i still spend more than half my time in, in the real estate operations. Uh, it's fun, you know, I still, I still like it, right? Like we all got, you know, everyone hopefully got into real estate because they enjoyed uh, an aspect of it or enjoyed uh, the operations of it. And so, uh, yeah, we still do, uh, still, I still do spend a fair amount of my mental energy in, in the real estate aspect. Also because it really helps inform the lending company. Like lending is a more scalable thing, right? Cause you're not, you're leveraging, you know, you're, you're just money. You know, like, and all the money's green. So you're leveraging the operations of other people who are doing the real hard work of finding deals. Yeah. Um, and as operators ourselves, we have a healthy respect of that reality. You know, that mm -hmm. the guy adding value here is the one going to Home Depot and meeting with contractors and sitting at the kitchen table. These days, the money is not, you know, is not the end all do all. Whereas 10 years ago, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't the attitude, but, um, you know, we, you know, keeping grounded in the operations ourselves, I think has been good from us, good for us so that we can understand the pain points of the folks that we lend to and understand where there's opportunities for those folks as well. Um, so yeah, like for, for example, something that comes to mind is like, so we have a rental portfolio in Baltimore of about 750 houses, and we've always used bank capital to build up that rental portfolio. We'd buy houses, renovate them, and then we'd go refinance and try to get as much of our hard costs back out of them and then go do it again. Mm -hmm. um, whereas today, <clears throat> one of the things that we're offering in our lending company right now is a rental loan product, which is a 30 year fixed rate loan. And you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to deal with the local banks. You know, you can close a loan in 40 days uh, and you don't have to provide tax returns. You don't have to, um, have conversations with your banker about your debt to income ratio. It's about the rent from the property that's going to pay the mortgage. And is that, so it's is just that, is that private, is that private equity then private funding from you guys, or is it from investors or how do you guys deal? That? Yeah. That, that's, what's amazing is that this is now in the secondary market. Like these loans are being securitized. And so the rates have gotten to the point where they're now in the fours. So it is now competitive with bank capital. Uh, it's frankly head to head, just a better product. Um, and so had we as, as, as Dominion had, had, you know, our lending or a real estate company, had we had access to this product, that's been a major pain point for us as we right. grew. Well, it's, a pain, it's a pain house. point for a lot of people with the banking institutions, right? You gotta, you gotta prove to why you don't need the money. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they, and they're, and, and, you know, single family properties are, they're relatively small balanced loans. Your banker gets paid on commission. He doesn't really want to deal with your, you know, looking into your QuickBooks and like figuring out what's going on there. He he has to spend the same amount of work, whether it's a two hundred thousand dollar loan or a two million dollar loan or a twenty million dollar loan. And so it's always been a struggle for us in, in on us as real estate guys growing our rental our own rental portfolio. And when we saw this product get into the, you know, it's it's been out in the market, but the rates were in like the low sixes. It just you know they, they sucked. Yeah. You know, it was wasn't very interesting. When they got into the fours, when it got competitive with banks, we were like, dude, we would have, this would have changed the game for us. You know, we would have gotten to 750 so much faster had we had access to this product. And so, because we knew that 
because we saw that as a tremendous opportunity with our real estate hats on, we, we said, you know what, from the lending point of view, this is what the market wants. And so I've been hiring like crazy this year. We've been growing, uh, growing that platform or growing that, that offering, uh, you know, a lot. And um, we'll close like 60 million, uh, uh, 60 million of that, just that product this month. Well, you, you know, it's interesting. Not, I don't want to cut you off, but I, I want to get it out there because you mentioned it's a 30 year note, right? And so typically when I work with a lot of people in the real estate space, the banks are limiting and making people do like 15 to 10 year mortgages. Yet, yeah. if we can understand the economic concept, right, with what I do in my business, right, helping people understand wealth, that if we can give the, the institutions a little bit of our capital over time, Mm-hmm. Right. That's the way we want to do that. So is this is this program limiting um, how many like if a person has 100 uh, real estate portfolio, can they refinance or is it only new purchases? No, it's mostly right, right now. What we're doing is mostly refinances. So I'm like, for example, I'm taking my 750 properties, which are all financed with local banks that I've had to, you know, cobble together, you know, like three million dollar lending limit at a time and refinancing everything into this 30 year fixed rate product. There's no limit on the number of properties per investor. Um, it's FICO driven. Like they want to see that you get at least a 680, yep. a six, well, it's really a 640 FICO, but you get better pricing above 680. Um, but uh, since they're looking at the rent of the from the property as the source of debt payment, they're like, hey, are you a stand-up person? You get a decent FICO and you got a rental property that uh, is going to pay the mortgage, good to go. Uh, and so like our fastball is 75% LTV cash out refi right now, because we're just moving all that paper from the local banks into this product, because it's the same rate, and it's a 30 year fixed rate loan. It's just a better product. And think about this from an economic perspective, right? Like if you can do some cash out refinance, like I help people understand that the equity is a 0% rate return on your money. Uh-huh. Right? And if we can understand that, because a lot of times when I'm talking to People are like, well, my equity, my equity. I'm like, do you understand what the equity is doing for you? It's a 0% rate of return, constant, always, forever. But if you can utilize that equity and go do something more. Now, this is on real estate investing. Not, I'm not talking about your personal homes or doing anything like that. Yeah. But, but when we understand the power of leverage and other people's money, right, and control, that is a huge thing. And if this allows you to do that, that's a huge value for people that you're probably providing. Yeah, it's it's been a game changer for us. Like we're we've got a you know we funded the growth of our platform. We've got we've raised private capital, uh, you know, friends and family money, eight, nine, ten percent. And I've got equities sitting in my real estate, especially over the past couple of years. We've seen a lot of appreciation in in, in in the real estate side. So anyone who has a rental portfolio that's aged a couple of years has equity in their real estate. If you got corporate debt on your balance sheet, friends and family money, you know, basically corporate debt on your balance sheet at eight to ten percent. And you've got locked up equity that you can go borrow on at four. You're losing four points a year on that. Yeah. yeah. So that's plus, that's yeah, yeah. plus the opportunity cost on what you else can do with that money. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've been having a, I bring that up because we've been having a ton of fun with that this year. That's been like something that we've gotten really excited about this year. You know, not every year do you have something that you're really excited about. This year, I got really excited about that. Yeah. So. Well, it it can help change the landscape of, you know, what you guys are doing. I mean, what so. What's your thought on, you know, the, the current economic environment and, and things that are going on from a real estate perspective? What are you seeing out there from, you know, not only on the, the long-term rental, but the flip flip and flips and, and these types of things that you guys are in day to day? What what advice can you give to our listeners that are potentially interested in doing some real estate or things like that? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, so we saw, you know, we saw the Fed come out with comments. It was yesterday or the day before saying that they're going to accelerate their tapering. 
basically stop by March uh, in terms of their MBF mortgage-backed securities purchases and treasury purchases. And you know, the market's expecting three rate hikes next year. Yep. So, you know, I I think that it is prudent to start factoring in a higher interest rate environment on your exit. You know, if you're if you're looking to do a three or a five or a seven year deal and you your proposed exit cap rate is is today's cap rates, I just don't yeah, think you, that's you, practical. You gotta adjust that for sure. Yeah, you gotta take that into consideration. Um so I mean, I still I you know, in a, in a you know, we're expecting because of I believe anyway that we've that inflation is you know it's not a transitory thing that it's going to be a little bit more stubborn than the Fed is even still giving it credit for. Yeah. Um, yeah, we love owning hard assets right now. So the idea of owning hard assets that should have some rent increases and locking in today's rates from a fixed rate debt point of view, I'm like that's just a winning combo, right? Like that's just locking in the win. Uh, so that's something that we're highly focused on right now. And I'm frankly refinancing everything as fast as I can and locking in these long-term rates because I think that rates are going up and I just want to lock in as much of a win as I can before, you know, before I look back and say, shit, I should have. Right. Um, so that's one thing that we're, that's, that we're particularly focused on, you know, in an interest, there, there's such a, there's been such a tailwind behind residential real estate in terms of the undersupply that I do think that even with some rate increases, I think it'll soften the market. I don't really think it's going to. I was just going to ask that when you see. I was just going to ask that when you when you know your, your opinion on is because typically when you start to see rate increases going up, property values tend to tend to come down. Do you anticipate that happening at all, or what? what kind of what you're just saying probably contradicts that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think I think that they are opposing forces. You know, they certainly are opposing forces, and it's the relative strength of the two that yeah. that is like the debate, right? So, you know, I'm personally of the mind, I think it's going to soften the market. I don't think it's going to actually lead to nominal decreases in, um, values. in home values for homeowners. I'm a little bit more nervous on the multifamily side because going in cap rates these days are so low and you're having an increasing interest rate environment. The inference there is that the, the, the sponsors on multifamily syndications right now are counting on rent increases. And... It may happen. Like, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, you know, like, especially in an inflationary environment, you know, if that's your bet, like, yeah, rents tend to track, you know, well with inflation. Um, but that's really like the crux of the thesis there. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I just think, I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting time. I was looking at this graph the other day of interest rates over the past like 80 years and we've been, but for like little bumps back up, We've been in a consistent, consistently oh, declining interest rate environment since 1985. Yep. I don't know anybody who is actually operating real estate. Like, I don't know anybody alive, right? Or none of my contemporaries or peers like were actually operating real estate in an increase in a consistently increasing real estate environment. Those guys are much, much older than than I. And so I, you know, I think that's something that everyone should just keep in mind, right? Like we've never seen, like none of us in the room right now have ever right, really done this. We know people who have, right? And even in my industry, like looking at the interest rate late decline, like at some point in time with all the money printed, all these things, I mean, eventually this stuff's going to hit the fan and it's going to have to hit happen. I think so. I mean, I, th I think so. I think it's going to, I think it's going to lead to a different set of circumstances, a different yeah. set of like, you know, um, macroeconomic risk factors yep. that we're just not used to thinking about, you know, and then we'll look, it'll happen. We'll get smacked upside the head and then we'll be like, Oh yeah, of course. Like that makes sense. But right now we're not thinking of it, you know? Yep.
yeah it's interesting it's uh the the world is an interesting place right now isn't it <laughs> oh yeah i think yeah i think there's a fair amount of risk in the environment that's not being priced in right now yep but um but it, it'll be fun you know it'll be fun for yeah. sure there'll be lots to talk about <laughs> you know, we learning opportunities for sure, right? Yeah. So, Jack, do you guys do any coaching with people that want to get in the space? I mean, is that your deal, or are you guys more focused on growing the Dominion and lending? Yeah, no, we're more. Yeah, we, we haven't really done. Uh, we don't really do any uh, anything on the coaching side. Uh, I mean, the lend, the lending platform ends up being kind of the way that we interact with folks who are actively doing deals. And so, you know, obviously, there's we we do underwriting internally. So, like there's active feedback between our team and the flippers that we work with on the, on the lending side. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and enjoy that, you know, that's been, that's really fun to do, but uh, yeah, we've mostly been just, you know, we're operators ourselves. We grow the lending business. Um, you know, we're real active in the space, but uh, haven't, haven't focused much on the coaching side, frankly, you know, just, you know, when, when it comes to culture index, predictive index, we're just not coaches, you know, we're just, we're operators. So yeah, that's yeah. what we're doing. You know, we keep our nose down and focus on that. Well, don't fix it if it's not broke, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's all good. We got plenty of work, so it's all good. So if, if someone out there listening and, and wants to talk to you more about this lending option, especially what we were talking about as far as these rates and these options for real estate portfolios, how can they get hold of you and um, contact you to get more information on that and even in your your lending arm yeah yeah sure uh so the the, the rental loans product that 30-year product is www.rental-loans.com so that one's pretty easy rental-loans.com and then on the fix and flip side it's dominionprivatelending.com um those are our, those are uh those are our websites for for the lending business um so yeah happy to it's, it's really easy to get a quote too it's um doesn't cost anything you need basically it's a, such a simple product you need like five data points it's what's the address the uh the property value you know what's going to appraise for what's the rent what's the property taxes what's the insurance and what's your fico and we can get you a quote with that so it doesn't cost anything it's really easy get you a quote the same day next day um um, so yeah, we've been doing a ton of that. That's, that's what I'm the most excited about right now. So, well, it's an opportune time for it, especially with what's going on and, and, you know, yeah, it became very relevant, very quick, you know, six months ago, I was like, yeah, this is a great product. Now I'm like, every, I'm like last call. Like, I'm like, I need to, I'm for our own portfolio. I'm like, I need to do this now. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's been good. Yeah. Well, you'll be busy uh, doing those 750, 50. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I am. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of appraisals, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you're, you're keeping somebody busy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh. Well, awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you jumping on and um, sharing some insight and knowledge and especially around some of the things that you guys, some of the awesome things that you guys have going on. So again, uh, Jack, thanks for jumping on and, um, if anybody has any questions, reach out to Jack, the websites that he gave you, um, and he'll, his company or his team will get in contact with you. So, no, thanks, John. I really appreciate. I really enjoyed the conversation. Really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Look forward to the next time. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. Sounds good.